Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Reads. Well, dear listener, that was a bumpy patch, wasn't it? First, I seem to have reposted the first episode twice, and then I take an unannounced week off. As for the latter, I have no excuse other than user error. I thought I double-checked, but maybe from now on I need to triple-check. Or something. As for the latter, I was writing a story to deadline, and as the deadline loomed and the plot stretched an entire scene beyond my original plan, I had no choice but to do literary triage and throw all non-essentials that did not involve eating, sleeping, and writing the damn thing overboard. I did manage to finish the story. Um, actually, it's a novelette. It's called Declaration, and will have a unique publishing history, at least for me. It's part of an anthology called Ripoff, edited by my friend Gardner Dozois for the Science Fiction Writers of America. The conceit of this anthology is that each of the stories must begin with the first line of another famous piece of writing. You know, Call Me Ishmael from Moby Dick, or Whether I Shall Turn Out to Be the Hero of My Own Life, or Whether That Situation Will Be Held by Anyone Else, These Pages Must Show, from David Copperfield. This anthology features a stellar list of contributors— Elizabeth Baer, Paul DiFilippo, Tad Williams, Mary Robinette Kowal, John Scalzi, Nancy Kress, Mike Resnick, Kids Johnson, Daryl Gregory, Robert Charles Wilson, and others, I think, perhaps the least of whom is me. My first line, by the way, is, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect for the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to their separation. I leave it to you to puzzle out the source material. What is unique about this anthology is that its first publication will not be in Molecules. No Dead Tree edition. This one is an original audio anthology from Audible.com, where I might mention I have many stories of my own and two novels for your downloading pleasure. You know, I believe we have wasted enough time seeing as how tardy this installment is. So, if you remember that we left off with Adel's prize-winning essay... Let's do a little literary analysis as we rejoin The Wreck of the Godspeed, already in progress. What immediately stood out in this essay is how Adel attributed Levia Kala's historic breakthrough to the intervention of genius. No one had ever thought to suggest this before, since Professor Kala had been one of those atheists who had been convinced that religion would wither away 
over the course of the 21st century. The judges were impressed that Adel had so cleverly asserted what could never be disproved. Even more striking was the dangerous speculation that concluded Adel's essay. Ever since Fermi first expressed his paradox, we have struggled with the apparent absence of other civilizations in the universe. Many of the terrestrial worlds we have discovered have complex ecologies, but on none has intelligence evolved. Even now, there are those who desperately recalculate the factors in the Drake equation in the hopes of arriving at a solution that is greater than one. When Adel made the point that no religion could survive first contact, and then trumped it with the irrefutable fact that we are alone, he won his place on the Godspeed. Adel and Kamila came upon two more pilgrims in the library. A man and a woman cuddled on a lime-green chenille couch in front of a wall that displayed images of six planets lined up in a row. The library was crowded with glassed-in shelves filled with old-fashioned paper books and racks with various I.O. devices, specs, digitex, whisperers, and brain leads. Next to a row of workstations, a long table held an array of artifacts that Adel did not immediately recognize. Small sculptures, medals and coins, jewelry and carved wood. Two paintings hung above it. One an image of an artist's studio, in which a man in a black hat painted a woman in a blue dress. The other a still life with fruit and some small dead animals. Mary, said Camilla, Jarek, this is Adel. The two pilgrims came to the edge of the couch, their faces alight with anticipation. Out of the corner of his eye, Adel thought he saw Kamila shake her head. The brightness dimmed, and they receded as if nothing had happened. We're a disappointment to everyone, buzzed Minus. Plus buzzed, they just don't know us yet. Mary looked to be not much older than Adel. She was wearing what might have been long sanniwear. Only it glowed, registering a thermal map of her body in red, yellow, green, and blue. Adel? She gave him a wistful smile and extended a finger for him to touch. Jarek held up a hand to indicate that he was otherwise occupied. He was wearing a sleeveless gray shirt, baggy shorts, and blacked-out specks on which Adel could see a data scrawl flicker. You'll usually find these two together, said Kamila and often in bed. At least we're not joined at the hip like the man-mans, said Mary. Have you met them yet? Adel frowned. You mean Rob-man? And Space-man. Mary had a third eye tattooed in the middle of her forehead. At least Adel hoped it was a tattoo. Sexy, buzzed Minus. Plus buzzed. Weird. Weird is sexy. Oh, John Mann's not so bad. Jarek pulled his specs off. If you like snobs. Mary reminded him a little of Gavrilla, except for the extra eye. And cheats. Jarek replaced the specs on the rack and then clapped Adel on the back. Welcome to the zoo, brother. He was a head shorter than Adel and had the compact musculature of someone who was born on a high-G planet. 
So, you're in shape, he said. Do you lift? Some. Not much. I'm a swimmer. Adel had been the great Randall City champion in the hundred and two hundred meters. What's your event? Middle distance, freestyle. Friend? We have a lap pool in the gym, said Jarek. Maybe, Minus buzzed. Saw it. Adel nodded approvingly. And you? I can tell you work out. I wrestle, said Jarek, or I did back on Kindred. But I'm a gym rat. I need exercise to clear my mind. So, what do you think of old Speedy so far? It's great. For the first time since he had stepped onto the scanning stage in Great Randall, the reality of where he was struck him. I'm really excited to be here. And as he said it, he realized that it was true. That'll wear off, said Kamila. Now, if you two sports are done comparing large muscle groups, can we move along? What's the rush, Kamila? Mary shifted into a corner of the couch. Planning on keeping this one for yourself? She patted the seat, indicating that Adol should take Jarek's place. Come here, let me get an eye on you. Adol glanced at Jarek, who winked. Has Kamila been filling you in on all the gossip? Adel crammed himself against the side cushion of the couch opposite Mary. Uh, not really. That's because no one tells her the good stuff. Kamila yawned. Maybe because I'm not interested? Adel couldn't look at Mary's face for long without staring at her tattoo. But if he looked away from her face, then his gaze drifted to her hot spots. Finally, he decided to focus on her hands. I don't work out, said Mary, in case you're wondering. Is this the survey that wrapped yesterday? said Kamila, turning away from them to look at the planets displayed on the wall. I heard it was shit. Mary had long and slender fingers, but her fingernails were bitten ragged especially the thumbs. Her skin was very pale. He guessed that she must have spent a lot of time indoors, wherever she came from. System ONR-147-563. Jarek joined her, partially blocking Adel's view of the wall. 9.89 light-years away, and a whole lot of nothing. The star has a luminosity almost three times that of Sol. Six planets, four hot airless rocks, a Jovian, and a sub-Jovian. I'm still wondering about ONR-134-843, said Kamila, and the wall filled with a new solar system, most of which Adel couldn't see. Those five Martian-type planets? So, said Mary, the star was a K-1 orange-red dwarf which means those Martians are pretty damn cold. The Daymax is only 17C on the warmest, and at night it drops to minus 210C. And their atmospheres are way too thin, not one over a hundred millibars. That's practically space. But there are five of them. Kamila held up her right hand, fingers splayed. Count them, five. Five Martians aren't worth one terrestrial, said Jarek. Camilla grunted. Have we seen any terrestrials? 
Space is huge, and we're slow. Jarek bumped against her like a friendly dog. Besides, why do you care? One of these days you'll bust off this rock, get the hero's parade on Jackson, and spend the rest of your life annoying the other Ijacks and getting your face on the news. Sure. Kamila slouched uncomfortably. One of these days. Ijack? buzzed Minus. Adel was wondering the same thing. What's an Ijack? A Ijack? said Mary confidentially, is someone who shocks other people. Shocks for pay, corrected Kamila, her back still to them. Shock? Adel frowned. As in voltage shock or scandalized shock? Well, electricity could be involved. Kamila turned from the wall. Her medallion showed a cat sitting in a sunny window. But mostly what I do she continued, is make people squirm when they get too settled for their own good. Trouble, buzzed Plus. Love it, Minus buzzed. And you do this how? Movement. She made a flourish with her left hand that started as a slap but ended as a caress that did not quite touch Jarek's face. Jarek did not flinch. Imagery. I work in visuals mostly, but I sometimes use wordplay. Or sound. Laughters, explosions, loud music. Whatever it is, whatever it takes to make you look. And people pay you for this? Some do, some sue. Kamila rattled it off like a catchphrase. It's an acquired taste, Mary said. I know. I'm still working on it. You liked it the time she made John Mann snort juice out of his nose, said Jarek, especially after he predicted she would do it to him. The wall behind them turned announcement blue. We have come within survey range of a new binary system. I'm naming the M5 star ONR126-850 and the M2 star onr 154-436. The screen showed data sheets on the discoveries. Location, luminosity, metallicity, mass, age, temperature, habitable ecosphere radius. Who cares about red dwarfs, said Kamila. About 60% of the stars in this sector are red dwarfs, said Mary. My point exactly, said Kamila. You're not going to find many terrestrials orbiting an M-star. We should be looking somewhere else. Why is that? said Adel. M-class are small, cool stars, said Jarek. In order to get enough insulation to be even remotely habitable, a planet has to be really close to the sun, so close that they get locked into synchronous rotation because of the intense tidal torque, which means that one side is always dark, and the other is always light. The atmosphere would freeze off the dark side. And these stars are known for the frequency and intensity of their flares, said Mary, which would pretty much cook any life on a planet that close. Mary and Jarek are our resident science twizzes, said Kamila. They can tell you more than you want to know about anything. 
So do we actually get to help decide where to go next, said Adel? Actually, we don't. Jarek shook his head sadly. We just argue about it. Kamila crossed the library to the bathroom and paused at the doorway. It passes the time. Don't get any ideas about the boy, Mary. I'll be right back. The door vanished as she stepped through and reformed immediately. When I first started thinking seriously about making the pilgrimage to Godspeed, said Jarek, I had this foolish idea that I might have some influence on the search, maybe even be responsible for a course change. I knew I wouldn't be aboard long enough to make a planet fall, but I thought maybe I could help. But I've studied Speedy's search plan, and it's perfect, considering that we can't go any faster than a third of sea. Besides, we're not going anywhere, Jarek and you and me, said Mary except back to where we came from. By the time Speedy finds the next terrestrial, we could be grandparents. Or dead, said Kamila as she came out of the bathroom. Shall we tell young Adel here how long it's been since Speedy discovered a terrestrial planet? Young Adel, said Mary. Just how old are you? Uh, Nineteen standard, Adel muttered. Twenty-six back home, buzzed Plus. But that's twenty-six on harvest. One hundred and fifty-eight standard, said the wall. This is your captain speaking. Oh, gods. Kamila rested her forehead in her hand. The image the godspeed projected was more uniform than woman. She stood against the dazzle of a starfield. Her coat was golden broadcloth, lined in red. It hung to her knees. The sleeves were turned back to show the lining. Double rows of brass buttons ran from neck to hem. These were unbuttoned below the waist, revealing red breeches and gold hose. The white sash over her left shoulder was decorated with patches representing all the terrestrial planets she had discovered. Adel counted more than thirty before he lost track. I departed from the master on Nuevo Sueno, said the Godspeed, one hundred and fifty-eight years ago, Adel, and I've been looking for my next discovery ever since. Longer than any other threshold, said Kamila. Longer than any other threshold, the Godspeed said amiably, which pains me deeply, I must say. Why do you bring this unfortunate statistic up, perfect one? Is there some conclusion you care to draw? She glared at the wall. Only that we have wasted a century and a half in this desolate corner of the galaxy. We, Kamila? The godspeed gave her an amused smile. How long have you been with me? Not quite a year. She folded her arms. Ah, the impatience of flesh. The godspeed turned to the stars behind her. You have traveled not quite a third of a light year since your arrival. Consider that I have traveled 50.12 light years since my departure from Nuevo Sueno. Now, see what that looks like to me. She thrust her hands above her head and... Suddenly the points of light on the wall streamed into ribbons, 
and the center of the screen jerked up, right, left, down, left, with each course correction, and then the ribbons became stars again. She faced the library, her face glowing. You have just come 15.33 parsecs in ten seconds. If I follow my instructions to reach my journey's end at the center of our galaxy, I will have traveled 8.5 kilo parsecs. If? buzzed Minus. Believe me, Kamila, I can imagine your experience of space-time more easily than you can imagine mine. She tugged her sash into place and then pointed at Kamila. You're going to mope now. Kamila shook her head. Her medallion had gone completely black. A hundred and thirty-three people have jumped to me since Nuevo Sueno. How many times do you think I've had this conversation, Kamila? Kamila bit her lip. Ah, if only these walls could talk. The Godspeed's laugh sounded like someone dropping silver spoons. The things they have seen. Is she all right? buzzed Plus. Here's something I'll bet you didn't know, said the Godspeed. A fun fact. Now that Adel has replaced Upwood among our little company, everyone on board is under thirty. The four of them digested this information in astonished silence. Wait a minute, said Mary. What about John Mann? He would like you to believe he's older, but he's the same age as Kamila. She reached into the pocket of her greatcoat and pulled out a scrap of digitex. A new window opened on the wall. It contained the birth certificate of John Hot Schillaber. Twenty-eight standard. All of us, said Jarek. That's a pretty amazing coincidence. A coincidence? She waved the birth certificate away. You don't know how hard I schemed to arrange it, she chuckled. I was practically diabolical. Speedy, said Mary carefully. You're starting to worry us. Worry? Worry, said Jarek. Why, because I make jokes? Because I have a flair for the dramatic? She bowed low and gave them an elaborate hand flourish. I am but mad north-northwest. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. Minus buzzed. Time to be afraid. So, said the Godspeed, we seem to be having a morale problem. I know my feelings have been hurt. I think we need to come together, work on some common project, build ourselves back into a team. She directed her gaze at Adel. What do you say? Sure. Then I suggest we put on a play. Mary moaned. Yes, that will do nicely. The Godspeed clapped her hands, clearly pleased at the prospect. We'll need to pick a script. Adel, I understand you've had some acting experience, so I'm going to appoint you and Li Hong to serve on the selection committee with me. I think poor sister needs to get out and about more. Don't let Li Hong pick, said Mary glumly. How many plays are there about praying? 
Come on now, Mary, said the Godspeed. Give her a chance. I think you'll be surprised. And we'll stop there. You have been listening to The Wreck of the Godspeed, which first appeared in the anthology Between Worlds, edited by Robert Silverberg. Thanks for your patience over this rough patch. Your reward will be a particularly juicy and larger-than-usual chunk of plot as Adel's friends begin to reveal some of Speedy's secrets. Thanks for listening, and do come back next week to The Free Reads Podcast.